Good morning, everyone. This is Pat McDonald, your host for Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV. Before I introduce this morning's guest, I wanted to give a shout-out to Barry Residence. Tomorrow night, October 18th, from 5.30 to 7.30, um, we'd like you to go to the Barry Opera House. They're going to be talking about uh, recovery from the flood and what needs to be done. There'll be four folk, uh, three focus groups. Sorry, The topics will be housing, social and community well-being, and infrastructure and planning. You can also join the groups by Zoom. So... Um, Hope to see you there. Thank you. And my guest this morning is a good friend and a colleague. Um, it's the Honorable, I love that, Linda, Honorable Linda Joy Sullivan, who is the mayor of Newport City, member of the Board of Directors of Campaign for Vermont, of which I am a part. She's a CPA, former representative, an expert on human trafficking. She came on the show a few weeks ago to talk about her becoming mayor. Uh, by a landslide vote, I might add, and to talk about her experience and knowledge of human trafficking. And one other area which Linda is very knowledgeable about is Vermont's housing crisis, which is certainly a topic of discussion all over the state. Welcome again to the show, Linda. Thank you for having me, and I am humbled by that introduction. Oh, are you kidding? You're you're great. We love working with you. It's um, and and Newport City is one lucky city, I'll tell you. So, thank um, you, thank you, know. you so much. Well, you're welcome. I'm so, going to live up to that. <laughs> yes, you are. I have no doubt. Um, so, could you talk a little bit? Uh, oh, let me just tell them that you were on House Commerce and Economic Development Committee while you were in the legislature, which is where housing has been discussed. I don't know forever. Um, it's been an issue around here. Um, could you explain, Linda, your understanding of the housing crisis here in Vermont? Sure, of course. Um, I was both on house uh, commerce and I was in on institutions. After that, the, one of the money committees. Um, as far as the housing crisis in Vermont, it apparently seems to be just like everywhere across the United States. However, when you deal specifically with a small, smaller state it's, that doesn't have access to as many jobs and there are active 50 restrictions on develop, development, there are bigger issues. So we have many um, people who cannot afford rentals in the areas of Vermont that they would like to live in or afford buying homes in the areas that they like to live in because in order for them to work to support that lifestyle, they would have to drive great distances and they might lose other income or dual jobs. So the definition of what is the right pricing for low-income, middle-income is really an issue. And to get developers to come to Vermont to build, you can't also say, well, come to Vermont to build, but we're going to, through Act 250, stop your permitting process, stop your ability, and then they won't be able to build. So it's kind of a uh, catch-22. Wow. Thank you for that. Um, I know you mentioned Act 250, and we're going to discuss that a little bit later on in the show because – I honestly don't understand what the reluctance is to fix, and I say fix because it's broken, Act 250. Um, this last session, uh, the legislature worked on a presumably all-encompassing housing bill. It was called S-100, and it's an act relating to housing opportunities made for everyone. Um, 
could you give it, you covered this bill for uh, as your role in, in campaign for Vermont and did a great job um, giving us information to put out on our newsletter. Could you give us some um, a high level overview of this bill? It's not the easiest bill to discuss, I'll say. Sure, here I go. All yeah, right, jump in. Um, yeah, so it, it was uh, S100 um, is how it came out. It was introduced by the Senate Economic Development Committee, and then it had moderate revisions, and the bill was passed back and forth between the House and the Senate, and finally it was delivered to the governor. The bill actually intended to address the state's housing crisis because its focus was to crack down on the municipal zoning because it saw that as exclusionary and it tried to make significant investments in what low income housing stock and of course once again what's the definition of low income right there was um, the bill itself like focused on municipalities and the bylaws and what could happen within municipalities and how to change that. It went into different areas of um, priority housing where you could have 25 or fewer units and what the exceptions were to Act 250. It created mobile home task force and it created so many other areas. It then went into issuing um, a requirement for reports. Right. And it had the Vermont Association of Planning and Development, Development Agencies. They were to report on statutory recommendations, better ways to integrate and implement municipal, regional, and state plans and policies. Then they had the planning and development agencies that were directed to issue reports. And then there was to be a report um, to the legislators on any necessary updates on the Act 250. So pretty much um, that's the over, you know, yep. view. That's like the high-level view. But then, of course, it went into very specifics. And it had, like, goods and bads. And, um, but it mainly focused on municipalities and ignoring Act 250 was my take of it. What? Like, they didn't want to touch Act 250. And they apparently, um, one of the committees la- the year before last spent most of its time looking at Act 250 and trying to make changes because I, I think people honestly feel there's a little tweaking that can be done. And there's no reason why if you make changes to Act 250, our entire environmental stance is blown out the window. You can do both. You can find a way to um, make developers, uh, and they all say, uh, when they're talking about this, they want some consistency. They want to know how much it's going to cost, at what's the timeline, what do they have to do. And, and Act 250 gives this sense of, I don't know, all across the board sort of thing. Um, why, why, Linda, when you were in the legislature, and me too for that matter, why are they so reluctant to do anything to Act 250? What is the, what are they worried about? So I believe that it stems back, and this is just my opinion, I believe that it stems back to when Act 50 came into place, with the intent was to promote business around keeping the trails and the environment and everything consistent. But then as the um, development started to happen, the people thought that they were losing control. And so a uh, viewpoint came that we should restock Act 250. And it's 
kind of flipped to being not um, a good for business development act, hmm. but instead a stop development and only protect the environment of Vermont. Huh. And I think that's where you've got two different um, parties, you know, groups coming to combat and they couldn't come to a meeting of minds. And when you don't know how many developers are trying to develop or you don't know um, how many permits are being delayed or why so many contractors say, I can't do this anymore, I'm leaving Vermont, and there are no credits or benefits, when you don't have all that information in a true perspective, you can justify or rationale anything. And they do. I'm here with my guest, Linda Joy Sullivan, who is mayor of Newport City and has an incredible a curriculum vitae. Love that word. Anyway, we're talking about housing this morning, and we're talking in particular about S-100, which was uh, supposed to address many issues, as Linda had mentioned, about housing. And I thought what I'd do to get in a little bit more into the weeds, um, Linda said that, that a lot of focus was on municipalities and um in the bill, and I'm, this is going to be, there are no dumb questions approach here. What They require only one parking space per dwelling served by water and sewer and one and a half parking spaces for duplex. What, I know I'm being very naive here and I'm going to kill myself after you give me the answer. Why, why is parking an issue? The size of how many parking spaces? Um, it's far from a dumb question and I believe that Everybody had all of these questions as um, we were going, they were going through the bill and even before. Um, the problem is really the not in my backyard um, posture. So if you have specific parking and lot sizes, they're kind of using it as a weapon for the not in my back, backyard huh. during local zoning process. So by trying to carve that out and define it, they're trying to equalize and be fair across the board. That was that's the intent. Huh. Um, and then that will actually bring it into the further areas of development. So if you turn around and say, okay, a municipal bylaw may require a single family dwelling, you know, with one unit to have X amount of parking, then you're saying, okay, it's not going to overwhelm the area and it's not going to, say, lower the property values because somebody will move elsewhere where there's not congestion. Interesting, because my first reaction was, what family has just one car these days? The husband and the wife, just to pay bills and survive, pretty much have to work. Um, and so that's two cars. And um, if you're requiring only one parking space, seems to me somewhere else it'd get a little crowded with cars that you didn't intend for cars to be. So I just reacted to that yeah. rather strongly. Sure. And you're absolutely right. But I think the part that people are not realizing, and I'm not endorsing it, but I'm just making a statement of what's in there, is that the developer – has the right to add additional parking spots. Ah. Okay, because, I mean, really, um, if you're able to stay home, you're very fortunate if you're able to stay home and take care of your kids. But most people work, and that's uh, too. Anyway, in, under municipality, there was also a 
a reference to a residential development can be authorized as determined by an appropriate municipal panel that does not result in any undue adverse effect on the character of the area. Who gets to determine, speaking of definition, what is the character of the area? Well, first of all, that would be the panel (laughs) that's put together and looks at the character. But I think that there is already a predefined um, notion of what character is in specific areas. So, for example, nobody is going to expect um, a housing development to clear down one of the most beautiful areas around lakes where there are no houses just to build there in the center of it. Right. It, well, so it, what they're trying to do is say, we have defined areas that are really for um, visitors and homeowners, residents yep. of Vermont, who want to use the outside, who huh. don't want congestion. So those areas are defined as the trail areas, but there still are homes there. So what they're trying to do is say, let's limit this because this specific area is really like phenomenal for uh, tourism, for hiking, for the people who live here to use the trails and go camping. And if you start developing in the center, then you're destroying that. And what does Vermont have, which is the pure attraction to the rest of the United States and other countries, come to Vermont because we're green mountains, you know? We have the grass, we have the lakes. And so they don't want to interfere with that topography. I would, when I read that, I would just be worried about inconsistency. Unless you've got a good handle on the, what the character of the area means, you truly do need to be consistent in applying that. So that that just uh, kind of bothered me a little bit. Uh, there was another thing in the municipality section which talked about giving priority to housing projects to 25 or fewer units. They'll receive an exemption from Act 250 um, if they're uh, constructed in the appropriate downtowns or village centers. Uh, with municipal zoning. So they're trying to encourage development in, in downtowns. And um, I I like that. I, I think that's that's a good thing, especially if you can get out of doing Act 250. Um, you're right. And actually, there was a provision that was, that sunsetted in, in that this, this specific provision will sunset in 2029. Ah, so yeah. it's going, it has kind of a pilot style Look at it. Yeah. So they're going to watch it. And, and as you said, it's a good idea. Right. But the thing is, will it actually happen? Oh. And if it does happen, you know, what will, um, where will it happen that it's good? When will it be finished? Where will it happen that it's bad? And so it does sunset so there can be a look at it. That's, yeah, I saw that 2009 Um which, uh, yeah, 2029 which, yeah, yeah, that's cool, which makes sense. So <clears throat> there, in the bill, there was a specific section, uh, at GMP's request. They asked, uh, that they could provide pr- provisions to get electric distribution utilities, uh, rebuilt on existing lines, which is, uh, in an existing quarter, uh, quarter without a permit. So it's really just GMP replacing lines that were already there. So, 
Um, they just wanted to be, just go do the work and get her done, which made, which made sense to me as well. Um, as we moved on though, they have a lot of information about the Vermont Building Energy Code and that, um, uh, that it over, that the state, uh, building energy code actually overrides any municipal energy codes. Wasn't there any pushback from the municipalities about so much when this bill overrides a few things in the municipalities? Uh, yes, you know, municipalities always take um, the position, the strong position that the state should be not dealing with the municipality right. issues and they don't want to give up control. And I totally understand that because once um, uh, things are taken away from the municipality's control, it's gone. Right. <laughs> so then they would they would have to go up to the state and go through that long process and try to convince legislators that it should come on back to them. Right. And that will probably not happen. Yes. Especially what, unless there's a change of guard right. in the legislature, and that's not going to happen as quickly either. So when a municipality has everything that they believe is working just that, fine, and they can communicate with their constituent base, and they can put out uh, warnings and have their constituency vote on issues that are best for their own municipality, I can appreciate that they are saying, hey, stay out of our backyard. We know better. Don't make us into a different municipality because you pre prefer that definition of what something should look like. They run into this because once they remove the authority, you're right, you never get it back. It's gone. So you have to be careful what you're agreeing to or uh, fighting for. So. Because I, I I do like to see the municipalities. They know their area and they know hopefully what's what's needed. Um, the bill does address mobile home task force, as you mentioned, and I I I think that's a very good idea. They the bill creates a mobile home task force, and um, and to look at how how much part of our housing portfolio are the mobile homes. I mean, what's their percentage in our in our housing stock? And we've heard some stories about mobile homes uh, at parks, and I think a task force is very appropriate for sure. Um, I agree with you on that. A task force regarding the mobile homes is important because people need to look at the infrastructure of the parks, the homes, the conditions, et cetera. What I take issue with is that that specific task force is comprised of legislators. And I don't believe legislators who are pushing these bills and signing off on these bills are the right people to be on task forces or on commissions. I believe that experts should be brought in. There's a concept, Linda. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I want to talk about the Vermont Housing Finance Agency, but when I look at all the topics of this bill, as you brought up in the beginning, I don't get a sense of whether this bill has captured and addressed the housing crisis I honestly don't see it in this bill, and I know they worked a long time, and the governor signed it, and everybody was pleased, but it seems to be 
scattered, helter skelter sort of sort of thing. And and I'm hoping that um, that when it all gets when it all starts happening, that we will see some kind of improvement. What what do you think about the overall bill? So I believe that the overall bill takes all of the verbiage that the public would like to hear. Right. I think that when the legislature held their open meeting for the public come to come and talk to them, they only took testimony from specific people that oh. they knew would support their position, that no experts were brought in, oh. no um, professionals with licenses in these areas, no professionals who had deep experience in these areas. So it's very nice to pass a feel-good bill right. in an area that you know it's home hard. Right. And, of course, when you have, we're going to do this in this area, this in this area, the verbiage is very carefully written, okay? So, it, like, we'll have a task force that will be comprised of legislators, huh. member of the Department of Housing, and they'll be tasked with studying the landscape, okay? But if you had professionals, they could be coming right. in and saying, we've already done that. Right. We know what's going on. Let's hit the solutions. But in order to do that, you would have to incorporate Act 250. So uh, I take this bill as more of an anti-Act 250 bill. Huh. That's a statement. That's very sad because um – I mean, Act 250, when it was developed, was really touted and, and it has some, it's done some really good things. I'm not saying it should be, you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater or whatever that expression is. Um, but there's, but over time, there's got to be some flexibility in it to meet the demands that are going on, uh, right in our own backyard. On the Vermont Housing Finance Agency, there, uh, in the bill, there's a lot of, of course, grants, uh, but there was attention, um, to the middle-income homeowner, which I was was pleased to see, that they'll be providing subsidies for new construction for rehabilitation because we've got such a old stock of housing here um, that uh, it needs it needs some uh, tuning up. I think, particularly like in the weatherization area, but I don't know that 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 solves the problem. The the one other thing I didn't mention in the Vermont Housing Finance Agency is that they're creating a uh, rental housing revolving loan program um, which will um, provide for rental housing development. And also under the Department of Housing and Community Development, there's a um, uh, loans for improving uh, apartments that, or rentals that are non-code compliant to bring them up to speed and uh, presumably make them safer. Um, but uh, there's no there's no relief for landlords, is there, in this bill, Linda? No, actually, um, and I had a great issue with that. Um, everything, this bill is very uh, tenant-oriented. Yep. And um, people do not understand that landlords go into court and they are not always the bad guys. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes they are being attacked and they are forced into court and you know, just because people sympathize with those, they see the landlord as like big right. companies. You know, right. they never realize that landlords are also solo people. They do provide good housing. They do 
um, necessarily fix things up. But if you don't get your rent, right. then it's always a good picture to go into court and say, I can't pay because this isn't happening. And, you know, you can have sympathy. And I do have sympathy for people who have issues with their finances. But that also pre- puts the landlord right. in an issue. And so they have to meet their bills and costs. And, you know, you can't burden them with the fact that a tenant who's not going to pay is pretty much going to end up being a squatter. And the landlord is going to have to live with it. It's bad enough that the court system takes sometimes years to get through. So asking a landlord to not have representation, um, they have to hire lawyers. Right, right. Yeah, so I find that uh, I find the rules about getting uh, asking a tenant to leave the premises just mind-boggling to me. These the landlords are in business; that's their job, it's their livelihood. Uh, they have to make sure their property stays intact. And a lot of people, not all, because there are some wonderful renters and honorable and um, and all the good things, but there are some who, um, if they can't pay, sort of leave the place in a little bit of a disarray because I've known some landlords who have taken pictures and showed me when they walk into a uh, an apartment that's been been left um, what the condition is in it's pretty it's pretty sad and I I think you know, they, they I should, agree yeah yeah I agree a hundred percent with that um you know and, and it's also a lot of landlords there are leases in place right so pretty much you're saying let's push this lease this agreement this signed document away and let's focus on how do we protect the tenant. And then there's also so many issues and laws around security deposits. People believe that, okay, the security deposit is held here in case something happens. But then if you go and try to take that security deposit, you there are issues about, around that as well. Huh. So it's not just as simple as, okay, here's my security deposit. If I break something, you get to use it. I mean, if you use the wrong words when you say you're going to use it, if you turn around and the tenant says, use it for my rent, then that's not correct. So those issues can harm the landlord as well because they the laws do favor the tenant. Right. Yes, and I was uh, part of the bill, there's a couple of things that are supposed to happen in 2024 one of which is um, uh, Vermont Legal Aid is supposed to create a two-year tenant representation pilot program to tenants in Lamoille and Windsor who have been served with summonses and complaints for eviction. So right away, there's a there's a pilot program being being designed to um, assist these tenants, and with no discussion about the landlord. I mean, if if you have landlords, got to stay in business. He's got to make some money, um, and the more they've got folks in there not paying the rent, um, you run the risk of of uh, losing that rental altogether. And what we want to do is build up the rental stock in an affordable way, so people can have a good place to live. And not only that, you know, when you look at that, the the carve out of Lamoille and Windsor, why just those two counties? Well, exactly. Okay, and then you look at um, the carve-out, which it says they will give full representation. What does full representation yep. mean? Yep. 
Okay. Full representation meaning that no matter what, or does it specifically relate to the tenant landlord issue? Uh How far will they go? Does that include if a tenant wants to bring suits of slander, personal injury? How far is this going to go? And so because it says full representation to eligible and consenting tenants. So if you're eligible and you say, sure, handle my full representation, and if they can show a relation or a correlation to some other area of a lawsuit, does that mean that legal aid is going to be representing these tenants in those areas of law as well because they tie into an issue with a landlord-tenant lease? Very complicated. I'm not sure I'd be rushing into being a landlord myself, given the way things stand right now. Um, right. And that's what's happening. The, you know, landlords are saying, well, maybe I shouldn't do it. And then what you'll end up with are dilapidated right. rentals because they're not going to continue to keep them up. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's really uh, we've planned our own uh, our own s- a circle um, and it's inevitable what's going to happen. Um, and you, uh, the Vermont State Housing Authority in this bill um, did create or supposed to create a rent arrears assistant program, which um, if there's valid reason why renters can't pay, this approach could actually help the landlord in getting his or her money. So um, if there's a valid reason uh, for not payment, losing your job or whatever, um, that that one I sort of liked because um, um, that would help the renter get them a roof over their head, but also help the landlord in making sure his revenue stream is is intact. Did, did, I actually like that as well. Yeah. The part that I don't appreciate in that is that it's the uh, fund is pro- to be providing funds for the eviction for non-payment. Who gets to determine that? Who yeah. brings it forward? Huh. They, so, I didn't read the bill, and I just kind of read a summary of it. So there's no entity that's responsible for determining that? Oh, yeah. But what I'm saying is if I'm the tenant, I'm bringing it and saying, hey, I, can, I don't have the funds, or oh, the landlord oh. saying, I need you to give us this money because this specific person isn't paying. So then you have to look at that. If the landlord brings the action, you know, how do they look at that? Are right. they authorized to look at that? Are um, you allowed to go into someone's personal finances? Uh, or, you know, how do you approach that with all the other laws protecting people's rights? So I'm sure that they have this figured out because I think this is a good approach. But I think that as with all the bills that come out of the legislature, all these details aren't fleshed out because most of these bills that come out have an agenda of feel good, touchy, touchy, this is wonderful, but no details are so specific. And it's always we'll study it, we'll have a task force, and it's legislators who want the task force. And so it just goes on and on and on and on. And then if one good thing comes of it, they say, hooray, the bill yeah, right, works. Right, exactly, exactly. Do you think there'll be any discussion this coming session about um, – about housing, or are they going to kind of wait till 2024 to see it all implemented? I think that there will always be discussion yeah. about housing. I don't think that will ever shy away. It may be housing in specific areas with different concerns, 
But as far as developing big bills, I don't, I don't yeah. think that will happen. But of course, that's just a, I don't have the crystal ball. But um, I think that it will go forward more into the next legislative yeah. session where people will say, okay, at least there were two years or a year and a half to see what's happening here. Exactly. And reports will come out and then they can hopefully look at the reports. See, that's the other issues with these bills. Everybody asks for reports. But they legislators rarely read them. Oh, absolutely. You are so right. Linda, we have a caller. Uh, Bobby from Randolph. Bobby, you're on the air. Okay. You have touched on the, uh, on the uh, deadbeat renter. Yep. About the deadbeat rentee, the landlord. I had a landlord in Burlington who owned a construction company and ran it, and he, he owned our property, and we would call, I would call the company and, that he worked at and has have them come down and work on our on our apartment. The roof fell in up above in my kitchen. I had water all over the place. I couldn't use any electrical units in my kitchen because of fire hazards. Wow. And he would ignore me. I wound up getting a registered letter through a lawyer, put my put my rent into an escrow account and he didn't get one penny of it until we got our first really good rain to make sure that what he's done and had been done. The fact is, a landlord had the better, had, had better business bureau come in, and they took a look at the apartment, and he had to do about $500 worth of re- repair for the apartment, including wow. windows, air vent in the bathroom and stuff. So, yeah, the, the rentees are not the only nope. ones that are bad. Well, it's the renters that are bad out there. I, uh, I stand corrected if I gave that impression because there's probably fault on, on both sides. Um, it's just that my comment was the legislature doesn't look at the good folks on the other side. But, Linda, is there recourse for um, tenants who have this problem like Bobby? Of course. Sure. Well, I think that – well, it, it's sad to say that these particular tenants will probably end up in the legal system and that, you know, these bills are saying, well, if you're financially eligible – that the legal aid can help you. But I think the situation that this gentleman and um, is talking about is more extraordinary. And I agree that there are landlords out there right. who will let these issues arise to such a magnitude and quite honestly, shame on them. Right. But shame on them isn't enough. Okay, so um, this bill is not exactly looking at that magnitude of a landlord. They're more looking at landlord-tenant disputes on issues of finances. And so this bill isn't broad enough. But I don't think they can make it broad enough at this point because the issue right now that this gentleman, and thank you for bringing this up, is speaking about is more construction um, denials and that this landlord was negligent in uh, taking care of the bigger, you know, construction issues. And I would say that that is not only a landlord-tenant issue, but I would say that that is a safety issue. For sure. And the other recourses there would be a public health safety issue, and that should have been um, approached as well. Yeah, I'm sure as a tenant, when you don't know where to go, it must be very upsetting. to. And for a landlord to let his property just not be repaired and maintained and upkept, that's his – those are his assets, and it's strange that they would let them just 
you know, just uh, get ruined by water damage and, and structural damage. So I'm very sorry, Bobby, for what you went through. Um, I hope it's somewhat corrected at this point. Sounds like it might be, but I um, I didn't intend to say that there's all landlords are good. Um, that's not the case. It's sort of the way life is these days. Everybody's a little bit at fault and everybody's to be complimented. So anyway, thanks, Linda. Um, we have... Um, a few minutes left. Um, maybe I don't want to get in. I was going to talk about trafficking, but we really don't have uh, the time yet. Could you talk about New Newport and your housing stock there and how that looks up in your neck of the woods? Yes. Newport actually is in you know, the same situation. I haven't seen, but I'm not 100% familiar with this whole landlord-tenant issue of disrespect. I've seen more of not enough houses that people can afford to either purchase or rent. So the rents are high compared to those who do not have immediate jobs in the immediate district of Newport. Houses that are the lower end that are in really good condition are don't even last on the market. They're gone. Oh, I bet. So people are just jumping in buy them becomes like a bidding war. Um, so most of the people whose smaller homes are on the market who are asking um, a certain price point, oftentimes they end up with more because everybody wants that house. Oh, yeah, the bidding war, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that also takes you, of course, to the realtors because that benefits, you know, the realtors kind of push that. So, you know, it's like, okay, here's how we're going to represent you. You're going to ask for this price, but we're then going to say, okay, come on in. Everybody give us your highest bid because we're, we're going to give it to the highest bidder by midnight tomorrow. Right. So, and that's not bad. I'm just saying, but that's what's happening. So it's going to take the lower houses and bring them to a higher price point, and then you're knocking out the people who are saying, I can't afford houses. But that's not a that's a bad thing, but it's not bad for the people who are selling because they're entitled to get their investment out of their home. Huh. Very interesting. So everybody needs more what we call affordable housing or there needs to be a whole uh, renovation program with some subsidies and loans and tips or grants that help revitalize homes that are not exactly up to par so that those homes could be then purchased at lower prices or rented at lower rents so that um, there can be some subsidies. Well, and I presume your stock in Newport is uh, housing stock is is quite a bit older than than some other areas. I'm assuming. Um, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And do you have? Uh, I had Catherine Dimitrik on, who's the uh, head of the planning commission. Uh, I think in Lamoille, if I'm remembering correctly, I've known Catherine for a lot of years, and she was saying that there's a shift in who rents these days. That they're single individuals, whether it be male or female. But it's not couples, it's not young couples, it's it's single individuals who are looking to leave home and, and start their own uh their own life and career and, and independence. And I thought that was she said it's been a remarkable change over the last few years. Um and I don't know what, what your rental housing market looks like up in Newport, but uh 
I'm yeah, sure. But that makes sense, you know, because it's the single uh, or couples without children who have the dual incomes that right. can afford children. So, and then, of course, what if you have families or you have children, you need a bigger place. Yep. You can't afford that. So you're going to look elsewhere and then get into the, I have to drive to work or right. I have to drive home and get, you know, people to take care of my children. So it's, uh, it's not cost effective. Exactly. Well, I hope this bill... Um <clears throat> they they actually read the reports. That'd be good uh, because these yeah. the reports that they're asking for are um, very interesting. The one is um, a focus on regional future land use. Ma- uh, land use. Uh, they want to see what statutory recommendations are there. And then this is interesting. Planning and development agencies consider possible new methods. <coughs> excuse me, of public engagement that promote equity and. Uh, uh, what what was the impetus of that, dare I ask? Well, I guess that's um, asking the public to come in and support the legislator's position yeah. would be what I see it as. Um, but what does that exactly mean? Of course the people are going to respond and give their opinion. Right. What is going to be equitable? They're doing a consensus maybe, you know. And yeah. so I don't think that people – are as opinionated or as selfish as the propaganda makes it up. Right. I think that people really care about one another. People are seriously concerned about people who can't afford and need food or don't have a place to live. Nobody is being discriminating in that regard. Right. I think human beings should be, have a wonderful um, rapport about and you know, they really want to help one another. Right. And I think that's what distinguishes us from the other animals. We are <laughs> civilized. Right. Yeah. And I do believe that that is a very nice phrase. Yep. So what does it mean? Let us get some more points so we can come up with another do-good bill. I, I think that, you know, putting that in there is kind of self-use. Um, <laughs> what a shock, Linda. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised. Well, I hope that there, we do see some movement after this bill gets fully implemented. And, um, and I hope they read and, and ask questions. I've, that has always been a problem with the legislature. They, when I used to work as a state employee, they'd ask us to do reports. We'd work all summer on these reports and you'd get into the legislator expecting to discuss the reports and nope. Just moved on. And sometimes there was some really good information that could have helped them in their decision making if they knew, um, knew the, the results of the study that they asked us to do. But I, I'm, this bill, I like the fact that they, uh, focused on, uh, middle income homeowners because they need as much help as, uh, uh, lower income folks. It's really, especially if you've got kids, as you mentioned. And, um, the bad about this bill is that Act 250 did not even get remotely touched, and someday somebody's going to have to sit down and look at Act 250 once again. Linda, thank you so much for talking about housing. I really appreciate it. It's a, it's the now topic for sure, and um, thank you for spending the time with us. We appreciate it.
Um, talk to you soon. This is Linda Sullivan, mayor of Newport City. Thanks, Linda. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Stay tuned, folks. We have Ben Doyle, who's going to talk about the Montpelier Flood Recovery Commission and about the uh, Preservation Trust of Vermont.